Hi, I want to talk to us today about how, even from a place of lockdown, um, you can be a world changer. We've been travelling in the book of Genesis since September, and it is a book that is full of, well, lots of weird and wonderful stories. All sorts of strange things happen. And one of the themes that emerges is that a lot of those events are because of what goes on in the hearts of the characters we're reading about. And it is no different as we travel through the story of Joseph. People's hearts determine their actions and influence the world around them. So my thesis this morning is quite simple. If you want to be a world changer, you need to change your heart. We're in Genesis chapters 38 and 39, continuing the story of Joseph. So last time on Close on Sunday, we heard about how Joseph was sold into slavery and how God was going to work through circumstances to change Joseph. And the story carries on from there. What I would love us to do this morning is to read Genesis 38 and 39 wherever we are. So I'm not going to read them to us. What I'm going to suggest you do is you grab a Bible or you look it up on the internet and take some time now to read Genesis chapter 38 and chapter 39. So how did you get on? They're two very different stories. The first one, the story of Judah and Tamar, seems to have nothing to do with uh, the Joseph story. Judah is the brother who sold Joseph into slavery. He will appear again in the story later on. Essentially, at, at the core of the Judah and Tamar story is, is Judah operating for his own needs and his own desires. Um, he denies Tamar what is hers of right. Um, she is a widow without a child, but he won't let his third son marry her. He also then takes um, what he shouldn't have. He, he sleeps with um, Tamar um, when he shouldn't. And the story resolves itself with um, Tamar getting what she deserves and what she should have within her culture, but also Judah being exposed for being a hypocrite uh, and being a liar. He gets, um, he gets his just rewards. The second story is the far more famous one of Joseph at Potiphar's house. And central to that story is the incident with Potiphar's wife, who wants Joseph to sleep with him. Joseph refuses, she lies about Joseph, and he is thrown out of the house and thrown into prison, from where we'll pick the story up again next week. And as I was looking at those two chapters and trying to work out what they had to do with one another or, or what the Lord was saying to us, I was struck by how the actions of the, um, the key characters are determined by what's going on in their heart, what they are desiring, and how those actions have ramifications, not just for them, but for those around them, for their world. Um, their world is influenced by their hearts. And there are a few things that I thought jumped out of those chapters that I'd love to share with you. The first is this. Uh, the Bible teaches us that when our desires are disordered, disordered desires, um, that leads to chaos and judgment. We see this in the story of Judah and in Potiphar's wife. Um, Judah and Potiphar's wife are both thinking about themselves. Their desires are for what they want, are for what they need. And in doing so, they bring an element of chaos into their own worlds and into their own situations. In the case of Potiphar's wife, it's clear that she operates for herself because she also um, talks down about her husband earlier in the chapter. And as a result of her actions and her following her own desires, the blessing of having Joseph in the house is taken away. 
And um, with Judah, his the convoluted story that goes on around him and Tamar means that at the end of the chapter, he has been exposed. He has been judged as being a hypocrite and being somebody who would sleep with a prostitute. Um, chaos has resulted from these people following the desires of their own heart. The text also wants us to know, and we see this again in Genesis, that actually the desires of our heart, when they are disordered, lead to judgment. So actually Judah um, gets the just rewards for his actions. Um, Judgment comes immediately for him in that chapter. He denies Tamar what she um, deserves or what should be hers of right. Uh, He he acts deceitfully um, and at the end of the chapter he is exposed. He is judged uh, for his wrong desires. Disordered desires lead to chaos and judgment. And it's what the Bible teaches about human nature. If we're all honest about ourselves, it's like we all live our lives, our world, in one giant uh, toddler group. I don't know if you've ever been to a toddler group, um, but they're interesting things to study. Uh, And usually they're kind of okay until one or a couple of characters decide they want the toy that somebody else has. Or or there's always that one boy who wants to go up the slide when everybody else wants to go down the slide. And actually all it takes is a few people wanting what they want and the whole thing begins to fall apart and chaos can ensue. Now, we may not think we're toddlers, but actually in our lives, we kind of live like that, taking from one another what I need, what I want. In these chapters, sex is the arena for that. I think one of the reasons um, it is is because sex is this wonderful, beautiful thing that God has given us and has created that we are supposed to give for another. Sex isn't for me. It is for another. And yet we talk about it as something that fulfills me something that I need or something that I want. And so we see this, we see it in quite a lot of uh, the books of the Bible and in Genesis, that sex becomes the arena where people's desires, when disordered, create chaos. I wonder in this season of lockdown, which feels a bit like a season of pruning, where so much that's normal of our life has been kind of peeled away, um, what is being revealed to you about your heart and about your desires? Where are your desires disordered? Where do you long for things which are for you and which you know that if you fully take hold of could bring chaos to others and could hurt others? The Bible is very clear. Disordered desires lead to chaos and to judgment. But the Bible is also very clear that reordered desires um, bring blessing and lead to life. And our key character for this is Joseph, a man who already a couple of chapters in is completely transformed. The text tells us that the Lord is with Joseph and because the Lord is with Joseph, blessing comes on Potiphar's house. And and the text also kind of implies that because the Lord is with Joseph, Joseph, that is, it's that walk with the Lord. It's knowing God. It's walking with him. It's seeing his presence that has become the big thing in Joseph's life. And so he is able to resist Potiphar's wife, to resist the temptation there, to resist her powerful advances because he knows that God is better by far. He knows that the presence of God is better by far. And so he's able to, to face circumstances again, going back into the pit, as it were, into prison, because he knows that he goes with God. And his heart has been changed. His desires have been reordered and he is able to live life differently. In doing so, he brings blessing, firstly, to Potiphar's house, secondly, to the prison. And in the future, we'll learn to the whole of Egypt. 
But also, and this is something I think is really crucial for us to hear, is that it brings life even in the midst of dark circumstances. He can handle being a slave in Potiphar's house. He can handle even being in prison because he knows that God is with him. His desire is for God. It reminded me of the story of an old friend of mine who, who did my job, who was a vicar, and who once upon a time uh, took on a church, which was a normal-sized church, and uh, the Lord was with him. And that church grew to be about a 1,000 people. And then one day the Lord said, I need you to go somewhere else. And I don't know if I could do that. But he could because he knew that it was the Lord who was with him and the Lord who wanted him to move. And so he was able to give up a load of good stuff because God was with him and God was taking him somewhere else. When we know that the Lord is with us, it is he who we follow, he who we focus on. And it's what he wants us to do that we will do. And blessing comes. So my friend went to another church and his first service there were six. And when he left that church, there were many hundreds. And again, the Lord said to him, I need you to go somewhere else. And the same thing happened in the third church. Blessing to three different places in the country because he knew that the Lord was his desire and he wanted to follow him. Is God your desire? In this season of lockdown, are you making space to to become aware of the presence of God with you? Um, To draw close to God? To make him your desire? Now, the good news is that this is not something that we do in our own strength. We can make him our desire because he has made us his. He has made us his. Um, In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it says this about the walk of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we all have to run a race. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we can have our hearts changed because... Jesus desired us. The cross is how our hearts are changed. Jesus takes the chaos of our disordered desires. He takes the judgment that results of our disordered desires upon himself. And when we accept that, our hearts are changed. We become new. And that's the pioneer of our faith. But he's also the perfecter of our faith. This side of eternity, as we become aware of the bits in our lives that that fall short, of the bits of our lives where we desire the wrong thing, we go back to the cross and we say, Jesus, I know that you died for this. I know that you took this on yourself. Forgive me and by your spirit, give me the strength to change, to become more like you. If you want to change the world, you begin by changing your heart. And if you want to change your heart, you don't do it in your own strength, but you do it in the power of the cross. You take the stuff that bubbles up to the cross and you leave it there. And you say sorry and you ask God to fill you anew, to bring his power into your life and to change. I don't know how lockdown is going down down for you, how lockdown is going down for you, but I do know that God is with us in it. Like God was with Joseph, he is with you. And I do know that God wants to change you and me and make us more like Jesus. 
And I know that his way of doing that will be to allow the stuff of our hearts to bubble up and to invite us to bring them to the cross, to leave them there and to be filled with his spirit. Shall we pray?